Good morning, everybody. My name is John, better known as Scruff around Crossroads. I'm one of the youth leaders here at Crossroads, and I'm going to do a teaching on the book of James. We're going through the book of James here at Crossroads the first half of this year, and the theme to our teaching series is vital signs. You know, how are you doing with your relationship with Jesus? James was actually Jesus's little brother. When Jesus was walking around the world, around Israel, James did not believe Jesus was the Messiah. James didn't believe Jesus was the Son of God. And then Jesus died and he came back to life and coming back to life is kind of a big deal. And then James kind of changed his mind. He was like, ah, yeah, yep, my bad, I was wrong. So, and James wrote this letter to Christians all around the surrounding area. And Tom did a great job last week talking about how God gives us love and mercy. And because God gives us love and mercy, we should be giving others love and mercy. That we get love and mercy from God, and then we should be giving that to other people. And now we're going to talk about, kind of talk about that same kind of thing today. But the main idea in this part of James is how and why are you a Christian? How and why do you believe in Jesus? And the reasons behind that and how that all kind of works out. So that's the overarching idea. And I'm just gonna, we're just going to break down the passage bit by bit because it's kind of a long passage. I'm going to start reading in James chapter 2, starting in verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So we have this whole idea of faith in deeds, depending on your Bible translation, that word deeds could also be works. It's the same Greek word, deeds, works, actions. Does your faith match your actions? And this whole idea is very simple. Looking back at verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save him? Can a faith without deeds save somebody? No. To be perfectly honest, no. And why can a faith without deeds not save anybody? Is because if you have faith but no deeds, no actions, it just means that you don't actually have the faith in the first place. That faith and deeds, they, they go together. You can't have one without the other. If you have faith, you have deeds. If you love Jesus, you'll act like Jesus. If you love Jesus, you love the things Jesus loves. If you love Jesus, you will not like the things Jesus doesn't like. I mean, it, it just kind of makes sense. And I use this analogy all the time with the middle schooler and high schoolers that if you believe vegetables are good for you, you would eat them. <laughs> if you don't eat them, then you don't believe that they're good for you. If you believe drinking water, getting up early and exercising, if you believe that's good for you, Guess what? You would do it. That's how the two work together. You have a faith, but then you have actions and deeds and works that go together. And then the next part of this passage talks about that. 
starting in verse 15. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? So this whole idea of like loving others, taking care of others, there's a sign over there that says love God and love others. Loving others is kind of a big deal. And if you see somebody who doesn't have clothes, doesn't have food, you know, the basic things in life to, to survive, and you just say, oh, you're fine, and you don't actually help them, like that, that's ridiculous. That we are called to love people, called to love people no matter what. That faith always has deeds, always has actions. The two always go together. You can't have one without the other. And this is summarized at the end in verse 17. Verse 17, in the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. Faith, that kind of faith, with no action, with no proof, with no deeds, with no evidence, is dead. Why is it dead? Because that means you don't actually have the faith in the first place. Faith and works, faith and deeds, faith and actions, they go together. You can't have one without the other. If you love Jesus, you act like Jesus. For those of you who are old enough, I have a WWJD bracelet still. Everyone used to wear these. If you love Jesus, you do the things Jesus wants you to do. What would Jesus do? And I know that's kind of hard for some of us to hear. And I know like argumentation and like some people might be in your mind defensive right now. And the thoughts of, whoa, wait, like, you know, my faith is just very personal. I have a personal faith in Jesus. Like, yeah, I'm not like all about it on the outside, but like inside, like I've always believed in God. I've always believed in Jesus. You know, me and Jesus, you know, we're good, but it's just like I'm very to myself about it. And I just think that's, that's kind of funny. That's how most of us would kind of think when we hear something like this, because James talks about that kind of person, that kind of mindset in the next two verses, in verses, 17, verses 18 and 19. Starting in verse 18. But some will say, you have faith, and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So it seems like head knowledge about Jesus, head knowledge about God, isn't, isn't enough. It has to be something more than just knowing Jesus, the knowing stuff about Jesus. And this is the phrase I want you to think about right now. Do you know Jesus or do you just know stuff about Jesus? Because there's, there's a difference. Do you know Jesus or do you just know stuff about him? I know a lot of stuff about Batman. The Batman shirt's in the front. But Batman's not real. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, but I do know a lot of stuff about Derek Jeter. I know a lot of stuff about LeBron James, Michael Jordan. When I was an elementary school kid, middle school kid, I knew everything about Lawrence Taylor. All those people are professional athletes, by the way. I can give you a five-page paper on every one of those athletes. Right now, no bibliography. I just know it. But I don't know them. I just know stuff about them. There's a difference. I know Amanda. I know Tom K. I know Tom Stanio. 
I know how they think. I know what they like. I know what they don't like. I know how they would react in certain situations. I know how they would react in other situations because I have a relationship with them. I actually know them. So think about that. Do you know Jesus like that relationally? Or do you just know a lot of stuff about Jesus? And when it comes to the next verse there, you believe that there is one God. Good. Even demons believe that and shudder. Like acknowledging that Jesus is God, acknowledging that God is good, it seems like there has to be something more than that because demons believe Jesus is God. Demons believe he died on the cross. Demons believe he rose from the dead. But do their, do their actions act like they do, like they believe in Jesus? No, they're demons. <laughs> they don't have their faith in Jesus. Because if they did, they wouldn't act like demons do. You don't know how demons act? Everything they do is bad. Just, it's, just not overcomplicate things. <laughs> if you believe in Jesus, you'll act like Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, you'll think like Jesus. Faith and deeds, they go together. And I was doing some research on this. And saying to a friend, saying to a bunch of people back in the day, like when this was written in the first century, believing in one God was like a crazy idea because polytheism, the idea that there are multiple gods out there, everyone believed that. Like, that was the norm. You know, there's a God for the grass, a God for the rocks, a God for the clouds, a God for the sky. God's for everything. So for someone to come out and say, actually, there's only one God, that was a crazy, that was a crazy idea. So you yourself might have some, like, really radical ideas about God that are true, that maybe not a lot of people would believe them. But still, that, that, that doesn't seem like it's enough when you look at the pastors, that just having that kind of faith, that kind of head knowledge, isn't enough. That faith, if you have faith, you have the deeds, you have the works, you have the actions that go with it. The two go together. You can't have one without the other. And James, as we finish up this passage, gives two examples of people in the Old Testament that show that like, if you have faith in Jesus, you will have deeds and actions and works like Jesus, and these two people are completely separate, complete opposites of each other. So let's look at that starting in verse 20. You foolish man, you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and that his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see, a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. Okay, so Abraham, if you never opened a Bible, if you're not so familiar with this story, here's the story. Abraham was the first Jew. He was the first person that God called and said, hey, Abraham, you are going to start the family tree of God. Because of you and your family line, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. All the Jewish people are going to trace back their lineage to you, and I'm choosing you to do that. And Abraham and his wife laughed at God because they tried to have kids, 
and they weren't able to. And at this point, when God's having this conversation with them, they're close to 100. So they're like, yeah, this isn't going to happen. And God's like, no, it's going to happen. So God fulfilled his promise, and he gave Abraham a son called Isaac. And one day, God said, Abraham, instead of sacrificing an animal to me, I want you to sacrifice your only son, the son that you've been waiting over 100 years for. I want you to kill him instead of an animal as a piece of worship for me, which sounds weird, but don't worry. It gets better. So <laughs> Abraham goes to God, okay, if that's what you want me to do. And this, I was thinking about this too. This wasn't just like a, hey, Isaac, come here, let's go in the backyard. And it takes like 10 minutes. This was a process. This was you had to gather up the materials for the altar and for the sacrifice. He had to, Abraham had servants. He had to get his servants to get all the materials. They had to hike to this mountain and then hike up a mountain. This was like days, a days, days, and days. And then Abraham had to tell a couple of white lies to Isaac because Isaac was like, oh, where's the animal? And Abraham's like, don't worry about it. So like this, this wasn't just like a 10-minute thing. Like Abraham showed that he was going to follow God. This was a day-long process, like more than one day. And then when Abraham finally built the altar, put, Abraham, put Isaac there, he took out his sword. And God, when he got to like here maybe, God was like, no, don't do it. You've shown me your faith. Abraham had faith in God. He was about to kill his only son. Abraham had faith, and they had the actions to show it. The two go together. The next example James gives is the exact, almost the exact opposite person, kind of person. Starting in verse 25. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did? when she gave lodging to the spies and set them off in a different direction. Okay, so Rahab was the almost the exact opposite of Abraham. Abraham was a guy. Rahab was a girl. Abraham was a family man. Rahab was a prostitute. Abraham was a Jew. Rahab a Gentile, which just means she wasn't Jewish. Complete opposite ends of the spectrum. But they both had faith in God. What Rahab did when Moses freed the Jews from slavery in Egypt, you know, split the Red Sea, if you're familiar with that story, they crossed the Red Sea, and then they walked around for 40 years trying to find the promised land, and they finally were about to go into the promised land, but they had to take over some cities first. So the Jewish army, they sent in spies into the city to kind of scout out the area, and Rahab was in the city, and she heard of this God who split the Red Sea, who defeated Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And she feared and respected this God. So when she saw the Jews, the spies, she goes, hey, 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 I'll help you guys out. Just spare my life and my family's life. I'll help you out. I've heard about this God. I want to be on that team. And she helped out the spies, even though if she got caught, it would cost her her life. She definitely had faith in God. She helped out spies of a foreign nation take over her own city, that her faith in God was accompanied by her actions, what she did. And here's another main question you can think about. Where did they get that faith from in the first place? I'll say it again. Where did they get that faith from in the first place? It's not because they did 
the actions because they had faith before it. So it's not by doing anything you get the faith. So where do they get that faith from? They got their faith from God's love, from God's mercy, from God's grace. And God's grace is this unconditional, undeserved love and forgiveness. That's what God's grace is. God, by God's grace, he gave them that faith. Not because they did anything special, just because God is good and is merciful to people on whom he has mercy. So, this whole idea, vital signs. How are you doing with your relationship with Jesus? How are you doing? And usually, people fall into two different categories. I've said this multiple times, I hopefully it's kind of sinking in, that faith without deeds is dead. Faith without deeds is dead because you don't actually have faith. But the Bible also says that deeds without your faith is useless. Deeds without faith is useless. Just doing a bunch of good things without faith, useless. Faith without deeds is dead. Deeds without faith is useless. And some of you might just be really confused. You're just like, okay, well, I have one or the other or the other or one, and they're crisscrossing, and I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Usually, people fall into two different categories when it comes to this topic. Usually, person A is like person A or person B. Person A just has faith, just thinks they have faith, but not a lot of deeds. No, not really has a lot of deeds. So person A will kind of think to themselves, hey, like, I have faith. I believe in God. I've always believed in God. I've always gone to church. Yeah, it's like eternal and it's personal. But like, no, I've always, always believed. And if I'm talking about you right now, if I'm talking about person A who thinks they just have faith, like, I just, I'm not going to judge your life. That's not my job. But I will beg you to examine your life. Examine your life. Like, do you know Jesus? Or do you just know stuff about Jesus? Does your life look wholly different and set apart? Does your life look different than coworkers or than family members who may not know Jesus? Do you care about the poor? Do you give to the poor? Do you care about people coming to know Jesus? Do you care about people knowing Jesus better? Do you care about the church and how we're doing? And I can't, I can't judge that. And again, if you're, being, if you're automatically being defensive and you kind of thinking to yourself that very American phrase, yes, only God can judge me, you're right, I can't judge you. I'm just telling you to examine and look at your life. Yes, God can judge you. But God judging you? That's not, a, that shouldn't, that's not a very peaceful thing <laughs> when you really think about it. God created the universe out of nothing. Just by speaking, God said, Jupiter, Pluto, Earth, water, you. Just by speaking, the, the Bible says that he holds everything in the palm of his hands, that God's in yesterday, today, and forever. That all-powerful God, yes, is going to judge you. I'm just asking you, examine your life. Just examine your life. That's all I'm asking you to do. I can't judge, but I'm just begging you. If, if this sounds like you, examine your life. That's a person that just has faith. But then you go over the other side of the spectrum, someone who just has deeds. Someone that just has deeds. And I feel like 
in this part of the world, in this part of the country, this is where probably most of you are going to fit into. So person B, I just have deeds, which just means I have a really good resume. I have a really good Christian checklist that I filled out over the course of my life. And, you, you know, metaphorically, you take out your resume and you look at it and you say, well, I said a prayer once, accepting Jesus into my ark, check. Um, I got baptized, check. Actually, I got baptized twice, when I was a little baby and then when I was like a big kid, yeah, check. Um, I went on a retreat once and I had this really cool experience, check. I go to conferences, that's another check. Um, I am in a community group and I do all these things at church. Look, my resume is awesome. Look at all this cool stuff I did. I'm definitely a Christian because of all my cool stuff. Look at me. You're not a Christian just because you have a good resume. Just because you've done X, Y, Z, and A, B, C does not mean you're a Christian. No, 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 no. Scruff. No, no. I also, I, I do lots of stuff, but I don't do a lot of stuff either. Like, I only see PG movies. I don't even flirt with the PG-13 ones. Like, those sinners watch PG-13 movies. Um, you know what? I, yeah, it's terrible. Um, I read my Bible. Like, I don't read anything, any book that's not the Bible. Because that, that's just really bad. Um, I'm never going to drink alcohol. And because, like, it's so crazy, I'm never going to get married because sex is bad. Like, I'm, I don't do all this stuff. Again, just because you don't do something or you do something doesn't make you a Christian. Just because you do a lot of stuff and just because you don't do a lot of stuff, just because you have a good resume, doesn't make you a Christian. And hopefully I confused you enough right now that you might be thinking, well, okay, you say if you just have faith, that doesn't mean you're a Christian. If you just have deeds and works and I, I, you know, I have good actions, that, that doesn't mean I'm a Christian. What, what is happening? Here's how you can check yourself. Here's how you can kind of like think about it. Remember, faith and actions go together. Faith and actions, they go together. If you believe in Jesus, you act like Jesus. If you love Jesus, you do the things Jesus wants you to do. And I heard a pastor recently, he asked this question, he started his sermon out with this question. And it made, really made me think, and hopefully it makes you think. And this will kind of track what, how you're doing. In your head right now, think to yourself, why are you a Christian? Like that's like the first question I started this talk out. Why are you a Christian? Think of a one to two sentence answer in your head. Why are you a Christian? Got it? Hannah's shaking her head, yes. So, okay. You have it in your head. Why are you a Christian? If any part of your answer has because I in the answer, that's not good. If any part of your answer has because I in there, that's not good. Because it should be because of him. That salvation's all about Jesus. That Jesus initiates salvation. Jesus accomplishes salvation. Jesus completes salvation. Jesus secures salvation all for the glory of his name. Everything is about Jesus, not about me. This book is not about me. This book is about Jesus. 
everything is about Jesus, not about me. It's when we make things about us, we get into trouble. And I think the pa this a passage in another book in the Bible kind of talks about this. Well, it's in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians was written by a guy named Paul. He was a church leader back in the day. He was writing a letter to the churches in Ephesus. And he starts out talking about how we were before we knew Jesus. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that has now worked at the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived, following the passage passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. See, this is, this is the human problem, that I can't do anything to get God to love me because I'm a sinner. It says that you were dead in your trespasses and your sins. You were spiritually dead. What can dead bodies do? Nothing. They're not alive. They can't breathe. They can't think. Nothing. And that's how you and me were. We were spiritually dead. And this is the crazy conundrum of life. God is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, all-just, all-good. God is all-good. God is good, and I'm not. And what should a good God do to someone like me? Because I'm not good. What should a good God do to someone like me? I was a child of wrath. We are all children of wrath. And then when you look at the cross, you see God's anger on sin being poured out on his only son because sin needed to be punished. And God says, I created these people in my image. I'm going to give them a way out if they repent and put their faith in my son. I won't pour my wrath out and my anger out on them because I've already poured it out on my son. You see, there's this exchange that happens when you put your faith in Jesus. Jesus on the cross receives all my sin and all my shame. And then spiritually, I get Jesus' righteousness and goodness and holiness. Because my sin needed to be taken care of. My sin needed to be punished. And Jesus took that punishment for my sin away on the cross. And when you look at the cross, you see God's anger and love on Jesus at the cross. We need Jesus to take care of our sin because we're the problem in the first place. We can't fix it. Tom did a great job last week of explaining this, that we can't fix ourselves. Kind of like we're jumping from the grand, on the edge of the Grand Canyon. We want to go from this side to that side. If I jump, if you jump, if an Olympian jumps, we all might jump farther distances but we're all going the same place because we're not making it to the other side. We can't get God to ourselves by ourselves because of our sin. We're tainted in sin. And this is probably the best metaphor I've had. Imagine me, I'm walking along the beach, I have a bowl of ice cream. I mean, you might chocolate ice cream with chocolate fudge and chocolate sprinkles because that's how you eat ice cream. Chocolate everything, no vanilla, don't talk to me about strawberry. Um, so I'm eating my chocolate, chocolate, chocolate ice cream. I'm out walking along the beach, and seagulls start flying around. 
and they go to the bathroom. And whatever they do falls in my bowl of ice cream. Now, I have a couple options here. I can either try and scoop all of it out, but even if I get most of it out, I'm, it's still gross. I can try and mix it all together <laughs> after I scoop some of it out and then try and eat it. Or I can like try and find a friend and be like, hey, give me more of your ice cream and then maybe I can kind of like blend it all together. And outside of maybe a couple people in this room, no one's eating that bowl of ice cream because we're tainted in sin. There's nothing we can do. We've sinned once, we were born in sin, and we're tainted, and we need our sin taken care of, and that's what Jesus did on the cross. See, God saved me, God saved you, not because you're good, but because God is good. The rest of that passage, and I, I, I don't want to blame Norbert for this, but I'm, Norbert's popping in my head, that the rest of that passage starts with one big but. That we are sons of disobedience. We are children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy and because of a great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. We are dead in our sins. Dead. You couldn't do anything. Jesus is the one that made us alive. Jesus is the one that gave us breath and a new heart and a new mind so we could follow him. Why? Because we do anything good and special? No. It's because God is good and he is special and he gives us mercy when we don't deserve it. The rest says, it's by grace you have been saved. Not because of, not because of works. It's not of your own doing. It's a gift from God. You didn't earn your salvation. You didn't deserve your salvation. Jesus gave it to you as a free gift. And he offers it all to all who repent and turn to him and put their faith in him. Jesus dealt with your sin on the cross and you're able to live with Jesus because Jesus conquered sin and death by rising from the dead, physically rising from the dead three days later so his spirit can be with you because Jesus said he would never leave us or forsake us for all who call upon his name. He's given us a right to become children of God, adopted into God's family. A pastor, in the, a former pastor in New York City, he's really famous. His name was Tim Keller. He says this. He said, we don't obey so we get God's love. We are loved and so we obey. We have faith. We have faith in Jesus. We believe that Jesus die to forgive our sins. We believe Jesus died because he is good and we are not and we don't deserve it. And out of gratitude, we obey God and we listen to God and we do the things he wants us to do. It's not based on me. It's all based on Jesus. It's all because of Jesus. And as the band plays um, a few songs to end our time together, these are the questions I want you to be thinking about. Like, do you have faith? Do you actually have faith? If so, what are you going to do about it? Do you just have deeds? Have you been thinking to yourself, I'm just trying to be completing a checklist? I'm just trying to have a really good resume to try and impress God? Think about that. 
if you think you're just doing these, if you think you're just trying to complete a checklist, what are you going to do about it? Are you a Christian? Are you going to put your faith in Jesus? If so, what are you going to do about it? What is God telling you? What are you going to do about it? At any point, you need to vent or talk things through or just get prayer. Please go to the back in the prayer area. People love to listen to you and talk with you and pray with you about what we talked about this morning.